Hey there and welcome to Scraptitude. Scraptitude is the channel of Rising Young Minds. Find more Rising Young Minds content on Twitter at the underscore R-Y-M, pronounced the rhyme, or on Instagram at Rising Young Minds. Today we get into the past week's boxing affairs highlighted by Mikey Garcia's attempt and decisive failure to defy the odds against an increasingly menacing Earl Spence Jr. Without further ado... Okay, well that fucking sucked, but anyways, uh, hi there, welcome to Scraptitude, my name is Timothy Lewis, and I just deleted half a podcast, and with me is my co-host, Jeffrey Akins. Jeff, how the fuck are you doing? Doing good, Tim, how are you feeling? I'm mildly frustrated, but, you know, part of being a genius is that you're a retard half the time. I Uh, guess so, right? Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm trying not to have it distract me from everything, but because we're making some, uh, some sizable improvements in terms of our technological scope here at Scrapitude, we now have a monitor pictured off to our, uh, our left, your your right, yeah, sure, for those theater geeks, um, and we're going to use it to help bolster our ability to provide discussion and analysis and, you know, just bring all the... All the scrappy goodness, um. But yeah, so we're covering we're covering boxing in today's podcast, and you got to start that off with the event that happened in Philadelphia. Yep. Um, which of which, um, there were two bouts that caught my eye. First and foremost was Katie Taylor versus Rose Volante. Now, Jeff, this was my first time ever seeing Katie Taylor, uh, which is a shame on my part. Uh, what did you think? Um, it was my first time as well, and um, as I had texted you as I was watching the fight, that um, she seemed ruthless. She was definitely pinpoint. Uh, you know, her hands were crisp, her foot footwork was on point, and it was cool to see her fight. I mean, honestly, she's a world beater, for real, for real. I, she's one of the best women fi- women boxers I've ever seen. So it was great to see her in there, and I'm excited to see what she has in, down the pipe for us next. Yeah, wow, I was. I was blown away. I, I I felt shitty as a human being not recognizing the caliber of athlete that Katie Taylor is. She's she, she as a as a fan of sports um in general, I have turned a blind eye oftentimes to women competitors. I mean there's there's women that I I, I will tune to see. Uh Serena Williams, Joanna Yin Jacek. There are there are there are athletes that that catch my attention mm. who are women. However, I have not dedicated proper attention, and I intend to correct that by paying more attention to Katie Taylor because she is bar none one of the best athletes in the world. And I almost didn't want her to be, uh, as somebody that uh, is a fan of Cl- uh, Clarissa Shields, and who tweets at her a. Um, Probably an infuriating amount, just because I, was, I got I got all the highlights of her, and um, and I find I find her to be a very impressive athlete as well. Every time I I'm talking about Clarissa Shields, somebody has to say, "Well, Katie Taylor's better," <laughs> and uh, 
You know, well, different weight classes, different styles, but Katie Taylor does deserve recognition, and I understand where they're coming from from that perspective because her power, her footwork, her speed, her precision, everything that on display was uh, was demonstrative of that of a of a athlete at the prime of their craft and at the prime of their powers. Mm, I can agree with that. Um, well, I mean, that's just the fate of any type of great fighters. They're always tend to be compared to their contemporaries and oftentimes their predecessors as well. So, I mean, one of the things that's cool is that, you know, Clarissa and Katie are both competing at the same time and they're doing their things, doing their things. So um, what we can hope to see is them continuing the fight, you know, the best women they can. And, you know, Katie's very small and probably won't be able to, uh, you know, ever really fight Clarissa, but... Yeah, never going to happen. You know, but it's good to see two top-tier fighters in two different weight classes because that's also something that's important and also helps, you know, push their sport forward. Yeah, so I don't don't know much about Rose Volante, the woman competing against Katie Taylor, but she was well out of her, her league here. And it was it was predominantly a a display, a a a show of Katie Taylor's ability, more of a demonstration than it was a fight. Uh, so it leaves somebody wondering, myself included, until I venture to do a quick Google. What is next for Katie Taylor? She seems to be so fucking good. Uh, there has to be a compelling matchup or something to test and establish her legacy. And it appears that fight is the thirty-six and one. 30-year-old Amanda Serrano, a fellow lightweight female boxer with a 71% KO rate. Now, that 71% KO rate is compared to the 46% KO rate of Katie Taylor. So she's somebody that doesn't share the undefeated record but has not lost in a very long time. Competes at the same weight class, younger, hungry, with more knockout power. That is the fight that I want to see. And uh, as a new fan of Katie Taylor... I want to see how she handles somebody that's a a true threat to her status as what many would like to assert is the best woman fighter and woman boxer in the world. Hmm. Yes. I mean, uh, we have to definitely look at one of the bigger factors. Not one of the bigger factors, but I also think a good factor is going to be the age difference. Uh, What is it? Serrano's 30 and... uh, Taylor's 34. Doesn't seem to be hurting her none, though. It doesn't seem to be hurting her none, but, you know, that's kind of how it always happens in the fight game is you seem like you're on top of the world until someone knocks you out in the first round, and you're like, oh, shit, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and it is what it is, but we can only hope that Katie Taylor continues to do amazing things and uh, keeps her win streak going because she's doing great stuff, and uh, it's awesome to see two women champions out here putting in work because that's what you got to do to get the eyes on you put in work yeah the thing that i like about uh women combat sports is it's not about are they the pinnacle of the game like for example the wnba versus the nba it's like you're watching two very different games and that's not shared by combat sports because they're also regulated by weight like you can Mm. when you're so when you're talking about the competitors it's like you're you're fans of 135-pound boxers, uh, and they're, they're some of the best that have ever existed in the sport. And you're fans of heavyweight boxers and, and, and weight classes all across the spectrum. And so the gauging of the athletes competing is different for combat sports versus 
team sports like basketball or baseball or uh, uh, or football. So I, I I do believe that it's just a matter of a lack of exposure when it comes to the appreciation uh, of the highest level of female combat sport contestants because they do put on an athletic display and an engaging display that, that that's really comparable and you know even capable of surpassing depending on the fight uh that of their male their male counterpart yeah counterparts it's an apt observation um so moving on to the main event of the this and what we'd really like to get down to no offense katie taylor uh and all your omnipotence but tevin farmer versus john o'carroll uh, Tevin Farmer, Philadelphia native, defending his belt at the Leacora Center in Philadelphia against the Irishman. And man, did he style. Oh my goodness. Tevin did whatever he wanted. He took the fight wherever he wanted to take it. You know, when he wanted to get inside in the phone booth and trade with Jono, he did. When he wanted to stand outside and pepper him with the jab and straight punches, he did. Jono really didn't have an answer for anything. He tried his best to make it a dog dirty fight, but he couldn't really drag Tevin into anything too crazy. Um,. The announcers really tried to ride Jonah's nuts the whole fucking time. <laughs> For but, lack of a better word. But to be honest, it you know, <laughs> when you see the fight and you see a fighter, you know, easily hopping in and out and really not taking any damage, you're not gonna sit there and be like, Oh my god, he's getting pulled into a firefight. Like he's just this is the dog fight that Jonah wanted. It's just like no, like you can recognize who's dictating what's happening, and as the fight wore on, it became more and more obvious what was going on. Tevin Farmer had the uh, psychological or mental advantage in this fight to go along with the uh, talent advantage. Uh, he early on decided to impose his will on, J- will on John O'Carroll by boxing on the inside and forcing the Irishman backward. For a pressure fighter who likes to dictate the pace and tire out their opponents, this was a uh, this was a difficult uh, issue that uh, Tevin Farmer presented for John O'Carroll. Uh, Carroll was instead pushed back, and he was just trying to throw hard enough to keep Tevin Farmer off of him, which resulted in him gassing out. Now he's a pressure fighter, and he has a ton of heart, and he kept coming forward nonstop and threw like the, the third most punches at the weight class all time ever recorded. But so many of those shots were glancing, uh, inadequate. Pillows. Yeah, you might you might even say pillow-fisted. I um, am saying pillow-fisted. Uh, Jeffrey is saying pillow-fisted. The pillow-fisted <laughs> ir- ir- uh, Irishman, he he just did not have the right set of tools to take on a more talented fighter, a a slicker fighter, a um somebody that's better across the board in every dimension of the sport in, in Tevin Farmer. But I gotta give him props because he he came forward and he he brought the fight and try, it did his best to back up all that pre-fight banter. Oh yeah, um, my favorite part especially is after the fight when uh, Jono and Tevin got uh, got to go out and they took to North Philly. Uh, Jono brought his whole family and Tevin took him out in his Rolls Royce and they went and got cheesesteaks at a poppy store and it was great. Great content to watch, and it was great for the sport to see something that wholesome after the two men mm-hmm. got done beating the shit out of each other. I 100% agree. When when people are in, uh, I, I was inclined to say boys, but I'll just say people, when they're in, you know, their grade school ages, uh, so often 
they'll get in a fight and then they'll end up being best friends. And that's because fighting is a universal language that transcends sometimes every other way in which we can express ourselves. So when two guys share uh, a ring for 12 rounds and, and they, they beat one another's noggins back and forth, there, there's a type of respect that gets exchanged. And here it was a Philadelphia kid and a kid from Ireland. And they were able to find common ground and share worlds with one another. And it all happened because of, because of the art of pugilism. And to me, that, that gives validation to what we're talking about here. Uh, the fact that it surpasses, uh, surpasses all the differences between these men's and it allows them to share a deeper bond. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, you're trading blood, sweat, and tears, man. There's something about it. It's just, no, it's just, it is what it is. It's hard to stay angry when you know when you're punching somebody in the face the whole time. It kind of you're just like, all right, well, mm-hmm. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> real shit, uh, real shit. So, Tevin Farmer did his thing. He was fed yet another Irishman, yet another person beneath his his talent grade as a fighter. And it's time that we see him share the ring with somebody that both has name equity and talent equity. Because Tevin Farmer is a superstar talent signed by DAZN, and it is their responsibility to promote him in a way that represents what he brings into the ring. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's time for, uh, well, it's time. It is time for DAZN to uh, definitely be pushing and promoting him. But it, it's, I don't know. It's weird because it's all about the persona that you try to adopt and how you try to present yourself. Because at the end of the day, I I mean, but even though I guess it's changing, that whole the aspect can change. I mean, with the pay per view model versus the streaming model, you know, and the ability of the fighters to have more secure ground. One of the other sides of it might just be the fact that you might not be able to reach the highest heights, you know, available if you are on your own. You mean in terms of pay scale? Yeah, pay scale. Like, I hear that um, argument. You know, like, you know, there goes saying, you know, Deontay Wilder got offered $100 million for, like, four fights or whatever. And you look at Floyd Mayweather, he made $100 million off one. And, you know, he made, you know, and you look at his fight with Conor McGregor, he made he made more money than most athletes will ever see off basically an exhibition fight for him. And if he had been under the banner for someone else, it might not have, you know, panned out like that for him mm-hmm. so it becomes interesting where uh where you as your your value as a fighter falls and where you want to take yourself i i hear that argument uh there's a uh common colloquial 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 you know what colloquial colloquialism so, you're either the rule or the exception. And Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, those guys, they are they're, they're paradigm shifters. They are not representative of the base of fighters as a whole. And while I am all for people getting their money and pioneering the channels by which to do so, for a guy like Tevin Farmer, who isn't a big name despite his massive talent, it's important to have a promotion that is going to, well, promote him. What's also important is that he does get compensated when he steps up 
and puts his name and his legacy on the line against a dangerous opponent. Now, the dangerous opponent that I would like to see is Gervonta Davis, and I think that that's a fight that can definitely happen so long as the money is ponied up because both guys mm. need a true adversary, and I think that they filled that void for one another, talking smack back and forth and building their profiles as fighters over the past several years. Yes. Um, I think it's kind of a – I guess it's a little old for Gervonta now because of how he was dealing with Floyd and he didn't want to take on certain fights too early or that they were trying to maybe avoid Tevin because he kept bringing up the fact that he had losses from earlier in his career. And – I don't know. That's it's, what's wrong with boxing, yeah. man. That shit's so fucking trite. Like, it's just, it's to the point now where Tevin is holding way more cards than anyone ever expected him to be holding, and Gervonta needs to get out there and show that, you know, he really is the next big thing in, you know, these lightweight boxing. So I don't see any reason for him to not fight Tevin. Uh, it'll definitely be a great fight. He's got a lot more power than Jono does, and he's definitely faster. Um, but Tevin, I think, is has better footwork, and I think that he is more elusive. But it'll dip, it'll it's always interesting to see the two young guns get in the cage with each other because they're definitely going to be feeling themselves a little bit, and you know there's going to be some good trash talk, and you know see who can get under whose skin the most and maybe make them make a mistake. Uh. Well, it's no secret that uh, this fight has been one that isn't the most appealing to Gervonta because Tevin is clearly very skilled, but his name value does not match his talent. Yes. And therefore, it presents the dilemma of fighting him might be a bigger risk than the available reward. So it's up to the promotional interest to make sure that the the reward is a catalyst for this fight to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tevin Farmer, man, he's he's really good, and you can't prepare for him because there's so few guys that are able to exercise the Philly shell the way he does from the South Pole stance. He he's at a talent level, and his his the nuances of his game are at a level you're just not going to find sparring partners that represent the challenges that a fighter faces, like say John O'Carroll or Gervonta Davis, once they step into the ring. Speaking of challenges that are different in the ring than they are when you are anticipating or maybe watching film, we saw a glimpse of that in Mikey Garcia's jump to weight classes to fight Earl Spence Jr. Yes. Um, this fight was built up, and it had all of the makings to be what really should be should have been a classic fight for the ages. But what surprised me and probably surprised a lot of other people was that the fact that it was more of a one-sided drubbing by the bigger and what frankly seemed to be more skilled boxer. And one of the uh, interesting things that I thought was the was just how you know clean and composed and just you know tight Errol Spence was. You know I just. You know, there wasn't that overcommitting that he usually performed, you know, when he was throwing with what you saw with Kell Brook. And it was just that, you know, tight jabs. Like, you know, he had, it seemed like he had a lot of respect for Mikey coming into this fight. And he really put in the work to, to make sure that he closed any gaps that he think Mikey may have saw. 
the issue here, uh, I see a lot of, you know, and when I say I see a lot of people, it's idiots on social media, but also also analysts who are some of the idiots on social media talking about how this proves the the questioned boxing acumen of Earl Spence Jr. And yes, call me an Earl Spence Jr. skeptic because <laughs> I remain one. I remain one. And this fight... This fight went as I as I had uh, assumed it would go, where Mikey Garcia showed some uh, showed showed his boxing acumen in this fight, but did not surpass the margin that was created by the size differential. Earl Spence Jr. utilized that long southpaw jab, that stabbing fencing jab, and he pl- applied it in ones, twos, threes, and fours, and just kept the pressure coming. Mikey Garcia, I think he saw some of the things that I saw about the transitions of, between offense and defense of Earl Spence Jr., where where there's not a lot of counterpunching there, and there's uh, there's just periods when he's transitioning between the two, offense and defense, that are exploitable for somebody that can throw combinations and get out of the way. However, Earl Spence Jr. continued to get out, uh, get off first. He continued to stab with that jab, and eventually it disarmed Mikey Garcia to the point where he was he was essentially just trying to get to the finish line. Yeah, well, uh, one of the things I guess that you can look to, one of the early indicators first is just the weigh-ins. You know, you can clearly see that, you know, we even posted about it on Twitter. Errol Spence is just cut in shape, ready. You know, he clearly looked like he belonged in that weight class. And you could tell that Mikey was just, you know, he put on a little bit extra weight. You know, he wasn't really cut or defined. And it's just, you know, it's not something that you'd like to put a lot of, you know, stock into. But it just it goes to show that these two guys really aren't that close in particular weight. And while they may be this close to the height and stuff like that, it really becomes evident once you step into the ring. And that's the biggest thing. And, you know, props to Mikey for getting in there. But honestly, at this point, Errol Spence is more is better served going after the other dogs at 147 and uh, 152 because there's a lot of fighters in that general in that weight class that are really, you know, they're killers. And, you know, he's he's calling out Manny Pacquiao, you know, the Sean Porter fights on the horizon. Those are cool fights. They're not really too tingling. Sean Porter looked like he was fucking ready to die on the goddamn scale on his last fight. Yeah. Pacquiao's a fucking 40-year-old man, literally. And, you know, what we really need to see is we need to see him get in there with, uh, you know, Terrence Crawford or someone to that sort. We need to see him and Terrence really see who's, like, you know, one of the top dog here. Who's, who's supreme in the welterweight division? That's, you know, that's really, it is what it is. I do want to comment. I thought that in terms of uh, his defense, Mikey Garcia did show up. He was clearly trained, and I think he saw most of what Earl Spence Jr. was tossing at him. But just because you see what's being what's coming at you doesn't mean you don't have to defend it <laughs> or you don't have to respect it. Yeah. And because it's coming constantly, this never made sense. Mikey Garcia coming up to fight Earl Spence Jr. And the reason is... Earl Spence Jr. is a volume guy. He's a power guy, but he's also a volume guy. And at 147 pounds, you still have the cardio to pour it on 
for 12 rounds. So Mikey Garcia wasn't going to come up, and he wasn't going to bring some significant cardio and speed advantage that was going to allow him to exploit uh, exploit the margins and, and you know utilize technical warfare to dissect the larger Earl Spence Jr. The work rate is such that you need to beat Earl Spence Jr. You need either need to keep him missing or you need to run through him, and that's why Terrence Crawford is going to beat his ass. It's going to be a convincing decision in which you see Earl Spence Jr. absolutely befuddled because Earl because Terrence Crawford has the reach combined with the size combined with the boxing ability to hit and not get hit. And that's just something that Earl Spence Jr. hasn't dealt with a lot. And that long pawing jab is going to get countered by over the top by the check hook of Terrence Crawford with regularity. And when Earl Spence Jr. is attacking in his straight lines... Uh, Terrence Crawford is going to be escaping at angles. He's going to be landing combinations, and he's going to be exiting by the time Earl Spence Jr. drops his hands uh, from his high guard to return fire. It's just a bad matchup, Mm. and Mikey Garcia was not able to exploit these things, but he was able to show that with good fundamentals, you can take Earl Spence Jr. the distance, and that he's not going to throw anything at you that if you have the technical understanding and ability to execute you're not going to be blown away by this man. Mikey Garcia was way, way, way smaller, and he managed to get through without ever being wobbled or rocked or looking like he was in true danger, despite it being a decisive victory for Earl Spence Jr. I don't know. I think that um, this definitely shows that Errol Spence isn't just some, you know, wild-hitting bull who doesn't really have any refined skills, Who, you know, because that's... You know, you can kind of see it, you know, when you watch his fights before this, you know, he seems like he lacks a little bit of finesse and that if you were really able to, you know, make him miss and land your shot, you know, and be a little more accurate that you, you can get around him. And I think that he showed at least in this sense that he does have the skills. And I think that him versus Terrence Crawford won't be a blowout. I think it'll be a much, I think it'll be a very good fight. He will definitely make Terrence work for that. The issue is that Earl Spence Jr. is a very good boxer and he is a great fighter, but he's going to experience something against Terrence Crawford, and that is going against a great boxer. And this is the sport of boxing, and the great boxer will beat the great fighter most times uh, just because there there's rules and there's confines of the sport. And, of course, there's not you're not one or the other. You're not a great fighter or a great boxer or whatever. But it's going to be a different game. It's not going to be a game of like who can hurt the other more. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a game of who can execute in the sport of boxing more. And Terrence Crawford is superior at executing in the sport of boxing to Earl Spence Jr. And Earl Spence Jr. Uh, I understand that it sounds like I'm discrediting him because he's fucking uh, Jesus right now, walking on water <laughs> with the, he he's so scary and he hits so hard. <laughs> Well, I, I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of tired of all the Earl Spence Jr. hype. Yeah, he he's he's really good, and he's his style is good for boxing. But we want to lump him in with 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 certain forces of the sport where I don't think he's proven to be. And beating Mikey Garcia doesn't put him at that level. It just shows what we already expected, which is that he should win against a another very good fighter who's coming up two weight classes. So, anyways. <laughs> Earl Spence Jr. He, he's a he's a very good fighter, but he's going to meet his match in a in a great boxer like Terrence Crawford. Tim's a hater. 
Fuck yeah. Fuck you, Earl Spence. Come see me. Don't really, like. You would never, ever say that to his face. Well, if I was getting if I was getting the bread, I would be talking mad shit to Earl Spence Jr. I'd be like, "What's up, little man?" You would get What's no bread. Okay. Well, I mean, if they was paying, okay. Once Scraptitude brand goes goes global, once we're global, I'm gonna be out here. I'm gonna be talking shit. I'm gonna be looking at the camera like this right now, and I'm gonna be like, "Earl Spence Jr. Let's go, let's go, bread. Throw it on. We'll do it for charity. You don't even gotta do pay per view for charity or." The zone for charity. Well, whoever you're saying that now, until show that time, check needs to go to the hospital bills. Show time for charity. Well, you know what? I'm the bigger man. I'll impose my oh. will. I will impose my will. I'll get my cardio on a million, and I will impose myself. Wait, so you guys are for you? You gonna fight him at 152 or 154? Well, I ain't getting down to no 154, 152. No, <laughs> your boy likes to eat. Your boy's a bigger man. <laughs> But you know, if he wants to come fight, you know, come fight with the with the big boys, uh, me and Earl Spence Jr. Promotional interest that be your boy T. Lou is ready. His hands stay sharp. Pee Wee will have me strategically, physically, and mentally, spiritually ready to shock the world. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but all the real, he, no, he, he's real fucking good. I just. I just think that he's not at the level that people want him to be at. He's not like – he has a lot to do before he shows that he's he's a great fighter to me. I don't know if he has a lot to do. I think he's got maybe one or two fights left really to show us you know, where it stands. I mean let's think about it this way. So does Terrence have a fight? Does he have like a mandatory or something? Uh, Terrence Crawford is fighting Amir Khan. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's right. And that's well, why this, set, he, okay. this sets up pretty nicely, So though. he should knock out Amir Khan because everyone knocks out Amir Khan. It's a thing to do. And um, so it's, it's his fault. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, it would be good to see Errol Spence. I guess why not get that payday versus Pacquiao? You know why not? If Manny Pacquiao doesn't want that fight, man. I don't know why the hell he showed up in the ring. Then he must be he must have Alzheimer's and just showed up because he was hoping Mikey would win because he knew he could beat Mikey. He's like, oh, oh, uh, maybe well, probably. I don't know why I'm here. I this isn't the snack stand. Yeah, well, Earl Spence Jr. is is too big and too strong. I don't have an interest in that fight. I would like to see Earl Spence Jr. against Sean Porter. I would like to see him against Keith Thurman. Manny Pacquiao. Let Manny Pacquiao mm. fight whoever the fuck he wants. The Thurman this... fight isn't that interesting. Uh, no, but I mean size-wise, at least Thurman is a uh, he's a cerebral guy. He's going to come in with a smart game plan. I don't think he wins the fight, but it, there's, a, there's some degree of intrigue. Right now, the Sean Porter fight is the fight to make, uh, and that's an easy one for him to win. I think he's going to take that fight, and then hopefully the Crawford fight. Uh, because that's 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 the legacy defining fight, and I'm confident oh, no, no. he'll lose it. <laughs> if I were Errol Spence Jr., his manager, I would definitely say let's gun for the Pacquiao fight first. Get that down. Uh, that's it's just you know get that win over Manny. He's still out there. He's still fighting. Why not? And then personally, I think. <laughs> Manny is a better name than Sean Porter is, even at this point in time. Oh, name value, yeah. totally. But Manny Manny has no reason to want that fight. Well, I mean... Why would uh, you fight him for a belt when you can fight Thurman for a belt? I don't know. Because, well, because if he beats Thurman, Errol, then that fight becomes worth a lot more money. 
That is true. I guess, yeah, Thurman is the, definitely the more beatable of the two, especially after his last fight against Josecito Lopez. Right, yeah, where he was getting where he was getting rocked he all over. He looked vulnerable, but he ended up still winning a comfortable decision. Uh, but anyways, so uh, Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano, Tevin Farmer versus Gervonta Ger- Davis, Earl Spence Jr. versus Sean Porter, Mikey Garcia, that... Mm, I'm not sure who's next for Mikey Garcia. That's that's a worthwhile question. If Danny Garcia wins his fight, this this fight against Granados coming up, I would like to see Danny Garcia mm. and Mikey and, and Mikey Garcia go at, at but that 140 pounds. Mikey uh, Danny Garcia, I understand that he's trying to make headway at 147, and he's he can small. fight there. But 140 is is, is more it's of a home real for weight him. Class. That's it's... a better weight class for him, and I would like to see him fight Mikey Garcia there. That. They, his power would translate a lot better, and I think he would have a much more uh, success. That'd be an awesome fucking fight, much man. That'd success. be a war. That would be a war. So I'd like to see Mikey Garcia, should Danny Garcia win, have it be the battle for who's the best Garcia in boxing. I agree. I definitely think that would be a good match. Well, all right. Oh, yeah. All right, Scraptitude listeners. If you're looking for more content from us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Scraptitude. Or follow mm-hmm. Rising Young Minds at Rising Young Minds on Instagram or at the underscore RYM. That is the underscore rhyme on Twitter. Thanks very much, guys. I am Timothy Lewis. Jeffrey Akins. Holla. Hey. <laughs>